Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99 at participating U.S. restaurants. Price may vary. J.A. Adande, where you at? Michael Holly, where you at? Look at that, man. And you got your, I love the uh, product placement you have going. Me, I always shout out the company. Shout out NBC. Uh, <laughs> shout out Peacock. Shout out, shout out. Um, and, and thank you for listening on uh, Sirius XM Channel 85, watching on Peacock TV. Now, J.A. Donde, uh, we, let, let's give you some love right now off the top. This is unscripted, but you hold up that book you, uh, you have there, Best American Sports Writing, Best Sports Writing mm-hmm. 2022. And who's the editor? J.A. Adande. <laughs> so, it's out so, now. Uh, get so, it wherever you get your books. Uh, the collection of just under 30 of the year's best sports writer from the last year. So check it out. Some outstanding pieces in there. All right. Did you have to um, just see? You can tell us just this, just us talking. Did you have to tell, call anybody up and be like, uh, you know, hey, man, you know how much I respect you? Or you'd be like, yeah, you know, I, I love your work. You know, I love your work. However, dot, dot, dot. Did you have to have that phone call with anybody? I had those emails. I didn't have to have that phone <laughs> call, but I did have those emails. Because oh, that's an easy way out. Emails, that's an easy way out. You know, we had hundreds of submissions. I can't be calling every one that didn't make it. And and explain why. So it was just easier to handle that through the email. It wasn't a form email though. It was a personalized email for the the, for the objective parties. It was hard. Well, it was hard, I, you know. But I had to make my criteria. Sure. I had to say like, you know what? Here's here's what I'm looking for specifically. And there were a lot of great stories, but they didn't fit that criteria. So it made it easier for me to to leave them out. But the last few were tough. Well, hey man, I'm happy for you. Congratulations. Uh, on the book, check it out. J. A. Adande, editor. And today, you are J. A. Adande, basketball commentator. Because you got to tell me, you got to call me down here. You got to tell me that I'm wrong about this. Right. But I look at the Brook, I look at the Brooklyn Nets, and the way they started the season last night. And I, I don't look at it as, oh, you play 82 games and things happen and it's a long season and don't make a snap judgment. I look at what they did last night and pair it with their turbulent, toxic, crazy offseason. And I say, this is either a team that has major components that don't want to be there or a team where somebody or somebody's uh, has had this thought of, you know what? If they're not going to fire Steve Nash, I'm going to fire Steve Nash. <laughs> <laughs> One way or another, he's going to be gone. But, well, I, I will say this, though, Michael. Here's the one thing, though. The one who vocalized that sentiment was Kevin Durant. And nothing about the way Kevin Durant played last night indicated that he's a guy trying to get his coach fired. Some of the other people, okay. maybe not so much. But Kevin Durant went out there like a guy intent on doing all the Kevin Durant things that we're used to seeing him do. So he didn't play like a a guy trying to get the coach fired. Maybe collectively the team played like that, 
I don't know what the the reasoning or the excuse would be for Kyrie Irving having such an off night, uh, picking up a, a gratuitous technical on his way back to the bench, in addition to all the other stuff that was going on. I will say this. Here's why I'm going to tell you to, to, to chill. I tend chill. to put okay, more value and more emphasis on the good early season performances than the bad early season performances. And Michael, you should know because the ultimate example of why you should wait is right in your town with the Celtics of last year, right? Nothing about their first two months screamed that this was a team that was destined for the NBA finals, right? But it was a new right. coach, different circumstances. So you had to allow for maybe the new coaches, his ways to take root and for him to understand his team and for them to start to, to respond to him. But once that happened in January, you saw what happened. So I always say till January that the Celtics really pushed that last year. To me, you got to show you've got it by January. Otherwise, you ain't got it. And it took them until really the end of January, maybe even the start of February. That's about as late as I've seen a team show some type of championship pedigree. Yeah. But they do have until then. You don't have to do it before October. You don't have to do it before Halloween. You don't have to do it before Thanksgiving. You don't even have to do it before Christmas. But you better well, do it by, you know, Valentine's Day for sure. Okay, I'll say that. I'll say collectively. Collectively, I agree with that. I I I, I agree with that sentiment. In the now abstract. this dude. Okay, <laughs> no, no, I'm going to be specific now. Collectively, yeah, you got to figure it out. This dude hadn't played in a long time. Ben Simmons, we're looking at uh, number ten. Ben Simmons, and he looked so unfocused. So out of sorts. How do you play a game, you know, 20 plus minutes and put up two shots <laughs> and put up the line that he did <laughs> last night? I, what are you and, doing? Michael, we could write it off as like, well, it was rough. He hasn't played a real game in over a year. But on that very same court was another guy who hadn't played a game in over a year, Zion Williamson, and he looked and fantastic. You know, right. he picked up where he left off. It reminds me of the story that there was a New York sports columnist who lost his job and got taken away and he was gone for like a year or two and then he got his old job back. And so the lead to his first column is, as I was saying, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> that was Zion Williamson. <laughs> that was saying, because you saw Zion Williamson better than we remember him because he's slimmer now, right? He looks more fit, but he's yeah. got the same game. He's still bullying people. His shot chart looks like a fist because it's just all tight and compact like that, right? And he looks great. And he looks ready to elevate the Pelicans to a higher level. All right, so it, it's, if you had to go last night, and I always joke with Michael Smith about this, uh, the uh, your, your former employer uh, and mine, I, got, I guess sort of, kind of, uh, ESPN, it always, what was it about last night? Did so-and-so <laughs> win it or did so-and-so lose it? Was it about... Was it more about the Nets and their dysfunction, or was it more about Zion and Brandon Ingram and the and the Pelicans, J.A., as we were saying last year in the first round, y'all start <laughs> tripping. Well, we really pushed the Phoenix Suns, as we were saying, oh, we're, 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 we're real. We're authentic. Yeah, yeah, Pay attention dot, to that. Dot, dot. Another reason it's more about the Pelicans is that the Nets didn't have Seth Curry and they didn't have Joe Harris and that was a team that was in deep need of some outside shooting so we can allow for them to get better 
we can allow for for Ben Simmons to click. It, it's funny. I watched very little preseason NBA basketball this year. <clears throat> Some of the only Good ball I you. did watch because I know better now. After 30 years of doing this, yeah, I know right. better than to spend an inordinate amount of time watching that. But I did exactly. watch a little Forget bit that. of the Nets playing at Minnesota, in part because the three guys were all playing. They're big three. And there was a stretch where Kyrie and KD went to the bench. So it was just Ben Simmons and the other guys out there. And he had this three-play sequence. He drives, makes a little hook shot, comes down, throws like a 35-foot alley-oop for a bucket, drives, kicks for a three. And I was thinking, okay, this is the Ben Simmons experience. This is what the Nets were thinking. This could yeah. be something. Uh, the rest of that game, not so much. Uh, opening night, not so much. But I've seen elements of it in the Nets uniform. So, again, I'm not going to give up hope on them just yet. I'm also – I'm not buying a lot of stock in them, but it's too early to write them off. It's not even Halloween. Kids haven't even come back with their bags full of trick-or-treat candy yet. You can't write anybody off. Yeah, a bag full of trick-or-treat candy or that house. There's a house you go to. They, they want to give you, like, an apple. They would give you some <laughs> raisins, some sunflower <laughs> seeds because, you know, hey – it's not about the candy and the sugar. You got too much sugar already. Or somebody who wants to tell you a story. You know, you say trick or treat. You're looking for the treat. You, you don't want anything else. Okay, <laughs> not, nothing else. Uh, so look, it's not it's not Halloween. Uh, I, I can't write off the Brooklyn Nets right now, but I do want to say on the flip side, because I'm looking at the worst, one of the worst performances I saw last night. That's Brooklyn. I think it was the worst based on expectations of what I saw. That's the worst. And one of the best, which I did not see coming, because I started watching this game, J.A., probably early third quarter. Or no, yeah, it was yeah, early third quarter. It was just after halftime. And I looked at the Dallas-Phoenix score, and I said, okay, uh, just, just in case people thought game seven last year was a fluke, Dallas is letting you further know that they know what it takes to knock the Phoenix Suns around. And I thought, oh, wow, Phoenix, after all that talk about the offseason, they just doing the same thing they did in game seven. And it was an amazing, an amazing comeback for the Suns. And, and one thing stands out, well, a couple things stand out to me, but I think the Suns, they still, they got a little more, they got a little more grit and a little more toughness than we talked about in the offseason. And two, I still can't put Luca in my top five playing defense like that. I can't do it. He's an amazing, sublime offensive talent. J.A., I cannot call you a top five player if you don't even give me some courtesy defense. You don't give me some shadow defense. I, I can't go there. What do you think? I don't think this is a referendum on Luca last night. To me, this was more about the Suns, and it depends on which way you view the glass so or as I today. put. Do you, oh, do you see them Adonde. rising Professor or Professor Adonde, you're so, you're so kind Michael, today. You're so you, kind. You can give him credit because it's it, it, like I don't get my final grade in the first week of class, Michael. That's that's how it goes. You know, you have to yes, wait for do. the course to play yes, out. Yes, you do. Then you I made, do my final you evaluation. You made up your mind, though. You made up your I mind, know. You, though. They give him a full choice. I haven't made up my – I'm lean in some ways, and – to me, yeah. I'm more disturbed by the fact you can look at the way that the Suns came back and won that game. 
But what were they doing down in the first place, especially when this was your revenge game? The NBA did them a solid and let them open at home against the team that put them out of the playoffs last year. So this is a favor to you. You get to get your revenge. You get to pinpoint this game from the moment the schedule comes out and say, oh, we didn't like the way we went out last year. They're coming back into our building. No, we take them. And what happens? You get down by 22. How does that happen? So I'm concerned yeah, about that. Yeah. That's a red alarm right there. The other concerning thing about this game, you can say it's a good thing because it shows the depth of this team. But I'm concerned they won this game with Chris Paul sitting the final few minutes on the bench. And, and he had a little pad on his on his uh, right leg as well. I don't know if it was ice or heat or what was going on there, or if that was the reason it was sitting out or what. None of it looked good. And it felt like the beginning of the end of CP3 as we've known it. Hold on. And and, and that's one of the themes here, Michael. That's one of the themes here, Michael, is that this is, you know, the the Redeem Team era. They've got the new documentary out. They've also got the podcast, Jeff McCallum and I did. You can listen to that one, too. Uh, Okay. They had a nice 20-year run. You look at the guys on that team. Kobe won a championship in 2000, right up through LeBron in 2020. And a lot of uh, other ways they made their imprint on the league over the years, uh, the last two decades. But I don't think Chris Paul is going to be there at the end this year. I don't think LeBron's going to be there at the end this year. And they're the last two representatives standing. Maybe you could say Jason Kidd might coach the Mavericks there as a member of that team in, in 2008. But it's every era has to come to a conclusion. Hey. It happened for oh, the Dream wait. Team era. Once David wait. Robinson won his last championship in 2003. Yeah. It's the end of the Redeem Team era. Okay, 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 okay. Let, let, let me just get this straight. I, I just want to make sure I heard you right, uh, Professor. Uh, great job, uh, J.A. Donde, Professor, uh, out at, at Northwest University. Uh, the, uh, one of the great schools in the Big Ten if you want to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> if you want a campus that's uh, next to a lake. We got a lake. A, we got hey, a lake. Got, one hey, of the shores of Lake Michigan. If, that if matters you to... want to go to class, if you want to go to class, okay, that is the best school in the Big Ten. I'm going to go Northwestern. If I go academics, North, uh, academics in the Big Ten, I got Northwestern one. Uh, which, Michigan's got to be up there, right? Michigan's got to be in the top Michigan's five of the Big Ten. Uh, we're going to put Purdue in there. That's pretty Purdue? good. Purdue engineering. Ooh. Purdue engineering. Okay. Actually, Illinois engineering is pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Penn State. Uh, Penn State's tough to get into, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, he's like, I'm, I'm talking about uh, Northwestern. I'm not hyping up anybody. I'm, I'm also thinking, like, but, I'm, I'm still a Big Ten traditionalist guy when he was 10. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't want to, you can't put USC and UCLA in the Big Ten. That's going <laughs> to blow my mind when that happens. But I'm saying, uh, but I'm, I'm going to get back to this, Professor. What, you, what I've heard from you as I take notes in your class, on one hand, you say it's too early. It's not even Halloween, whether you get the good treats or not. It's not Halloween, so we cannot uh, write the book or even a paragraph on the Brooklyn Nets. So you got to give them a pass. But then a team that won 64 games last year, a team that went to the NBA Finals and lost in six games a year before, great player in Chris Paul, MVP candidate. You say, "Ooh, I don't like." And this one game, and they won, and they won their game. <laughs> Coming back from twenty-two, that doesn't disturb you. And the team you, the team you gave a pass to, 
looked like uh, it wanted to be anywhere but uh, in a basketball arena last night. Just totally clueless and uh, just out of it. So does it concern me? No, not really. You know why? You know why it doesn't concern me? I, I think Chris Paul, at this stage of his career, they should, uh, he and Monty should sit down and say, look, you're going to, uh, we're going to put you on a, um, a Kawhi Toronto Raptors schedule. That one and done in Toronto. You're going to play 60 games this year. Whether you're healthy or not, you're playing 60 games. And let's map out which 60 games you want to play. Okay, you know, back in, you want to play back in North Carolina in front of the home folks? Uh, yeah, the folks away from Are we counting last okay. night as one of the 60? Yeah, that's right. One of the didn't six finish it. <laughs> I know, but I think Chris Paul, we know he's got a healthy Chris Paul. A, you know, Chris Paul 10 years ago is going to get banged up. That's just what he does. But at this stage in his late 30s, just preserve him. He's a he's a load management player at this stage of his career. And if you can do that, he'll be fine for the postseason theoretically. But they won. Then can you ask him to turn it on and get you all the way through the 16 games that you need to win in the postseason? Last year, we saw him break it down at the end. He had COVID the year they went to the finals, missed a couple games. That might have actually benefited him because he had a little time off in the middle of the, of, the, of the playoffs. But can you count on him to be all the way there through 16 games, even if you load manage him through the regular season? Well, I'll say this, J.A. Uh, this is I got some good news for you. When there's a disagreement or when there when there's like a, a push pull, a functional government has something we call checks and balances. It, you know, <laughs> you heard about that, boys and girls, Democracy. checks and balances. When there's push pull on brother from another, we have David Aldridge. <laughs> so we got David Aldridge <laughs> who's going to come in. He's going to help us out. He's going he's going to enliven enrich, deepen, this lengthen, wise up this conversation. We love David Aldridge. He's coming up next. Enhance. On the show, we're going to have some fun. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. You know, it's a difficult situation. Um, you know, I believe that there's merit to remove him as owner of the Redskins. Um, I think it's something that uh, we have to review. We have to look at all the evidence and we have to be thorough in going forward. But, um, you know, I think it's something that has to be given serious consideration to. Jim, you, you said that Dan Snyder should get removed. Should the Snyder family sell? Should I, I said he should. There's consideration that he should be removed. You know, we have to complete the investigation. But, but to me, um, it's something that I think serious consideration has to be given to the removal, and we have complete authority to do that. Of him, or just or the family? Period. 
I, I think, uh, in general, of, of him uh, being removed and selling the franchise. All right. Uh, that's from uh, the owner's, owner's brief meeting. And I got to tell you, uh, that's, uh, that's Jim Ursay. And you know what's crazy, David Aldridge? He called them the Redskins. <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> old habits are hard to break. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that was something for decades. They've been a commander for about right. ninety minutes. They've been a commander for about, about ninety this. minutes. <laughs> Man, we've been talking about this for years, for years. Right, right, right. You gonna come right, in right, with right. that? You gonna come in with that? Yeah. But anyway, the, the point. First of all, it's good to see you, brother. Always. It's always um, good to see you. Always good to see you, brother Holly. Just saw Jay yeah, last I, week, so I don't feel quite as, as just uh, saw taxed. him. So not gonna, yeah, yeah. not gonna give him his props. Not gonna give him his props. I, came, but I just saw I you. Whatever. Give to me in person, man. I came through the shot to watch that classic Bears Commanders game that everybody's still talking about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, David, we had a good meal though, right? We did. No, that was a good meal. Good meal. Our PMC but, food. Uh, Shout it out. My goodness, so, what a dreadful game that was. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. That was terrible. Yeah. I, that's why I wrote. Uh, I wrote in the feed. I hope we can get in the twenties tonight for the football game. At least get in the out of the teens and into the twenties, score some points. But right? th- think about Ursay's remarks. Yeah. What did you What did you think of his his commentary? Did you think it was? Well, actually, I'll stay there. What, what did you think of his commentary on Daniel Snyder? Well, look, we've all been to NFL owners meetings, and you know, we all know the setup. Owners do not ever have to talk to the media. They, the way they, they set it up, it's it's not really built for them to speak to the media. They ch- they come to the media when they have something they want to say, right? <laughs> when they have something that they want to get off their chest. And for, for Jim Ursay to say that in that setting, to me was, you know, I, I've, look, people in DC, we've been through this too many times with Dan Snyder to believe any one thing is going to be the tipping point. But this is certainly different. This is not a former employee. This is not someone who worked for Dan Snyder. This is not an underling. This is a peer. Jim Ursay is a peer of Dan Snyder's. Jim Ursay's owned his team. His family's owned the Colts longer than Dan Snyder has owned the Commanders. So there's and there's not that many families that have owned their teams longer than the Ursay family has owned the Colts franchise. So this, whatever you think of Jim personally, in terms of his standing in the AFL, he's a, he's a big man. He's a big mark. He's a big marker. So for him to come out and say what he said to me carries a lot of weight because I doubt he's the only person amongst his ownership groups amongst the ownership groups in the NFL that feels that way. And we know that that's not the case because of the ESPN report from a week ago. Um, We know that's not the case because Al Michaels was on TV during the game and said he thinks the NFL wants him to sell. So we know that this is not just a one-off, somebody just popping off, you know, to let off some steam, that this is something that is gaining traction within the NFL. The interesting thing to me was that First of all, he was kind of out of turn speaking this at this yeah. point. As, as he admitted, we have to wait for the investigation to complete. Sure, sure, so, sure. So Absolutely. here you are saying you've drawn your conclusion before the investigation. So Snyder actually had a point in 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 uh, highlighting that. But 
the key thing to me, and it wasn't there in that highlight because it wasn't necessarily the most newsworthy aspect. The most newsworthy thing, certainly, I get it, was that here's mm-hmm. an owner indicating that he might want a fellow owner to sell. But for the first time, we saw an owner say, this guy doesn't represent our values. And that's yeah. what I've been waiting for for so long was for someone, either Roger Goodell or one of the former, the other owners, to say mm-hmm. that this behavior, these things that he's been accused of, Whatever it was that was found in the in the previous report, the Wilkinson report that led to the suspension in the first place, mm-hmm. the reason Snyder mm-hmm. wasn't there, that he had to write a letter instead of sharing his thoughts with him in person, mm-hmm. that type of behavior is not something that we're comfortable having represent us. And I don't know why it took so long for somebody to say it, but I'm glad that it was finally said. Well, it took so long because a lot of the other owners have done some of the very same things Dan Snyder did. So... <laughs> Right. No, he does represent their values. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? This is like the, my, one of my favorite movies to live and die in L.A. back in the 80s when everybody was, was a bad guy in the movie. The cops were bad guys. The bad guys were bad guys. There were no redeeming people in that room. Like my man, like Paul Newman said in Road to Perdition, none of us are going to heaven. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, come on. Stop it. Um, so that, that's, you know, I'm glad he said it care why he said it and, and your point is valid that that there this particular investigation is still ongoing but remember the owners have never weighed in on the previous 20 years of Dan Snyder you know what I'm <laughs> so it's not that's like right. they don't have stuff that they can that's actionable as they say in the legal world based on the previous 20 years so do that tomorrow my guess is they're not my guess is that the only thing, the only way they will get rid of Dan Snyder is two ways. If the Mary Jo White report, you know, un- unveils some additional really bad, bad behavior, um, or they can prove, as one of his former employees has accused him of to the Congressional Committee, that, that his organization skim profits. And, and skim profits from the rest of the owners. Now, they can prove that. It's an allegation now. It's not proven. If it, But if it's proven, then that gives owners grounds to, to ask this guy, to demand that this guy be kicked out. Now, now help me out. Help me out and help out our, our viewers and our listeners. Because I know uh, a lot of people are like me, watching from afar. And I remember watching... Football in D.C., whether it was Washington and the Cowboys, Washington and the Giants, Joe Gibbs, the Hogs, all this stuff. It just seemed like, I'm like, man, that's a great atmosphere. I loved watching this. Tell us, because it seems like 100 years ago, I'm sitting down, like I'm like I'm talking to my great-grandfather. Tell me what it was like in the old days. Tell me what it was like when D.C. football was functional, and fun <laughs> and relevant. Dave, you, is, you know, you know that area how, and that team yeah. better than anybody. Okay, this is how this is how big it was when I was growing up. Like you could never get tickets. There were no season tickets to be had. They actually did have a season ticket waiting list, unlike the fake one that they insisted they had for years. <laughs> they actually had a real one when Jack Kent could own the team. But here's what you would do if you were lucky, you could you could go Sunday night. If you camped out Sunday night, the box office opened at nine in the morning and they had like 50 literal wooden chairs 
that they would unfold and put on the sideline and you could buy a ticket to sit in that wooden chair and people lost their minds when you're trying to get them wooden chair seats at RFK. <laughs> so, so that's how, what it was like for people went to try to just get in and, and, you know, look, you've seen, we've all seen the NFL films, the stand shaking. That's what was real. That was real, you know, and it was, it was 55,000. It was, you know, incredibly intimate, but it's, you know, it was everybody in the, everybody in that stadium was, was a diehard Washington fan. Like it was a sea of red burgundy and gold, you know? And so all, everybody in town bought in, you know, it was everybody. It was whether you were at the game or not, everybody bought in. That was, and that went on for 20 years because it started with George Allen. He's the one that started it. They really built it up um, in the 70s. And then Joe Gibbs in the 80s won the four Super Bowls. And in the 90s won the four Super Bowls. Um, and or the three Super Bowls, I'm sorry. And then, you know, Dan Snyder happened. <laughs> you know? then, so, that's, you know, it's just, it's it's a complete 180 from where it was. And that's why people who live here and are from here are just so they're so beat down and disgusted and angry because we all grew up. I mean, I grew up every year expecting them to go to the Super Bowl. Do you understand what that's like? Like every year for 12 years, just, well, they're going to be in the Super Bowl. They have a great shot to be in the Super Bowl again, you know. And that was the expectation level, and it's just not that anymore. It's the exact opposite of that. Yeah, Michael, I experienced that. You know, I interned at the Post in 91, the summer of 91, and that year they went on to win the Super Bowl. And and then I was there in, in 94 to 97 at the tail end of the Jack Kent Cook tenure when he owned the teams. And I experienced how on the radio on Monday mornings, they would have songs that they would write about the team, you know, and everyone would be <laughs> celebrating and how the city would shut down. I used to actually sneak out and go to the Safeway on NFL Sundays because everyone else – in the entire Beltway region was, was you know, their eyes were affixed to the television watching the game. So so I knew what it was like. Now I'm sure if you went and tried to get some food, you know, you'd have to wait in line. You couldn't find a parking spot or anything like that because that team has lost its grip uh, on, on the, the region. David, I want to pivot. Uh, you know, we, we relied on your expertise as a lifelong D.C. resident as, a, as the yeah. editor of the Athletics uh, D.C. Uh, site. But... You're also a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, I had yes. the honor of being there when, when, <laughs> when you were enshrined. And uh, given that, from your perspective, your esteemed yeah. perspective, how much weight do you put into opening night or even opening week of the NBA as we get our first look at these uh, teams? Uh, 3%? <laughs> I don't know. There's an answer. You, is There's it too early to hit a panic uh, button? For some teams, uh, or is it too no, soon to start, no. you know, I measuring mean, out the I banners for other teams? No, I would, I wouldn't do that. Didn't you know? We used to on ring ring night, the, the team that got the ring. You remember this? They used to get killed yeah. in the first game. I, I went right? to two like, of those Laker losses on ring night. Right. We'll be free. They would get destroyed in the first game. Right. So. One year he was playing for Golden State, and we'll be free would always beat the Lakers on ring night. <laughs> right. So I mean, unless somebody gets hurt, like if there's a catastrophic injury, yeah, like. Uh, uh, 
Julius Randle on opening night, right? With the Lakers a few years ago when he was with the Lakers. Um, Nene, when he was with the Nuggets, he, he tore his ACL on opening night. I'm pretty sure if I remember that correctly. So there there have been occasions where that does happen, unfortunately. Now, if that happens, yes, you can you can extrapolate. But, you know, the first game? You know, well, most wow. of these guys haven't played any meaningful minutes in the preseason at all. So I expect rust. I expect bad shots. I expect, you know, bad play, basically. Um, so no, no, I don't put too much into. Over- I don't. I don't think you should overreact one way or the other, good or bad, to what your team did on opening night. So what I'm hearing you say is, if I put, um, if I bet a significant amount of money on the Brooklyn Nets to win 50 <laughs> games, right? You got my back on that, like 50 or 55. Well, no. Yeah, well, I would say. Probably, but you know, there's enough doubt that I'd be nervous. So <laughs> they're they're um, you know, again, they look great on paper, but it's gotta we've yet to see them the way we all thought they would be, right? We've yet to see that stretch of 15, 20, 25 games, a really good sample size of a season. But they just bludgeon people every night, you know, like because they just have too much firepower and you can't stop them all and you just lose by 30, right? And and we all expected that that would be the norm in Brooklyn, right? You know, night after night after night. And it hasn't been, you know, no matter which superstars they've lined up in this era, it hasn't been that way. Um, and at some point you just start to wonder if it's ever going to be that way, you know, because you certainly look at KD and Kyrie and Ben Simmons now and you go, wow, they should they should kill people because they, they should. you know, you got two unstoppable, unstoppable offensive players. And you got a third guy in Simmons that, that can guard everybody in the league or guard most everybody in the league and, and wants to pass the ball, wants to distribute the ball. It should work. And it didn't obviously work last night because they got run off their own floor by New Orleans. David, you know, I'm realizing there's a parallel because the Lakers have two unstoppable guys still in LeBron yeah. and Anthony Davis and yeah. a point guard who might have lost his way, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> Similar to Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. Shooting yeah. challenge, shall we say? And, 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 and Jay, ben Simmons. And Jay, yeah. and here's the thing. With Westbrook, what Westbrook has over Simmons is like you never question his passion. You never right. question mm-hmm. his willingness to compete. And so yeah, then, but- I, I'm agreeing with you even more so. I would say there's a difference though between them and the, the Nets. The Nets have shooting. That's the that's the thing. Katie can shoot. Kyrie can shoot. Joe Harris can shoot. You know, they got shooters on. They got multiple, multiple Patty Mills can shoot. They got a whole bunch of guys that should keep the floor spread at all times. Whereas the Lakers' big problem is that they can't shoot at all with the roster construction that they currently have. And so everything gets kind of bogged down. And you still have the issue of fit between LeBron and, and Russell who both need the ball to be at their best. It's just, that's not ever going to change. I don't care how they try to make it work. They both have to have the ball in their hands to be at the best version of themselves. And don't you want them to be the best version of themselves? So I don't see how that's going to be fixed anytime soon. I actually, and, I and they need it in similar both. places, you know, 
That, that was yeah. my thing with, with Shaq and Kobe. They both wanted the ball, but they wanted the ball in different places. So different that's places. Yeah, that's so you could point. sort right. of jerry-rig it, right? You could right. sort of make right. it work. That's a good yeah. point. I have a yeah, question so. for both of you guys. I want to hear you both weigh in on this because I've done yeah. my share of, of projecting, which is always dangerous. Okay. <laughs> projecting, projecting and not necessarily reporting. So I've taken a situation like, okay, what would I do? And like, what's this guy do? What's this guy do? I'm thinking about the punch uh, Dray yeah. Draymond on Jordan Poole. Then I'm like, okay, what are what are what are uh, what are flights going to be like? What's practice like? Uh, if, if one of them makes a great play, is it cool? Is it over? Is there something yeah. lingering? So both of you have covered, you know, championship teams with some uh, pretty brilliant uh, championship coaches. As a matter of fact. Uh, 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 the Warriors coach benefited from some of that brilliant coaching from Phil Jackson back in the day. How do you think this is going to play out throughout the season? Just based on your experiences of these sorts of things, how do you think it plays out going forward? Hmm. You want to go first, Well, I'll just say something on my mind is I, I just watched the interview Steph Curry did with uh, – our friend Rachel Nichols, in which he said that there have been some moments and he said there'll still probably or there might be some more moments going forward, which was interesting to me to acknowledge that it's not all done. It hasn't yeah. been put behind him. They haven't moved on. It, it Maybe he was referencing to the, just the general adversity that you're going to face during the season. Yeah. But yeah. it seemed like in that context that he's allowing for the possibility that this could flare up again or some issues yeah. from this moment could could resurface during the course of the season. I thought that was interesting to hear that coming from Steph. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, my guess, and it's a guess from 3,000 miles away, is that it may not necessarily be Draymond and Jordan, you know, knuckling up again, but you've got families involved now, right? And so you never know what goes on between fa amongst families, right? Like those are, those oh, are unpredictable. Right, or the, the great hallway. point, David. That, you know what I mean? Point. Like it's unpredictable. Uh, yeah. Like I'm not saying, I'm not saying anybody's looking to do that. I'm saying people, families take some of this harder sometimes than the players do, right? And so you have that dynamic. You have the, the dynamic of just basketball. Jordan Poole doesn't crack back on a guy that he's supposed to crack back on to. And Draymond yells at him as he would yell at anybody, right? Who doesn't do what they're supposed to do. How does Jordan Poole take that? Knowing what we all know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. You know, it seems clear that Draymond's not going to get paid by the Warriors anyway. How does he react to that over the course of the season? Like he's never <laughs> been in the position. Like they, when they're giving out those contracts, they reminded me like Charlie Brown or something. Like you get the candy bar, you get the candy bar, you get the rock. You know, like they broke something off. <laughs> they can't Draymond a rock. rock. They broke off Wiggins, <laughs> and then Draymond, you get the rock. <laughs> He's looking at the bag. I got a rock. <laughs> this is hey, all I get. Hey, I got a rock. Come on, rock. I got a rock. So, on, on, so on, on the way out, David. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I mean, so I don't know is the answer, but my guess, here's my guess. If nothing, I don't think anything's going to lead them to have to trade Draymond Green away in the middle of the season. I think they are committed to playing this year out, trying to win one more chip with this group. 
And then next off season, they, they're going to have some decisions to make. And I'm guessing that decision one is what to do with Draymond and it's probably not bring him back. So, um, but I think they will squash that until the end of the season. So before we get you out of here, uh, last question for me, last question. Let's just make it the last question until the next time we get together here on this show. Yes, sir. Uh, who's winning this thing? Who's winning the NBA title? Who you got? Well, I know I we're not, you know, that we, yeah, we're not anointing anybody, but yeah, yeah. best guess. Who you got? No, no, I picked, I picked the Clippers in Philly to make the finals, so I have to stick with that. You know, um, you don't have I to. Just think, you don't have to. Well, no, I see. I'm not like going to these fly by now. I hate people that say so, and then three weeks later, well, things have changed. Yeah, of course things change. That's what happens in life. Things change. So you stick with your prediction. What are you talking right? about? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> so, so I'm wow. see. I, the Clippers to me are the deepest team in the league. You know, by far, um, they just have guys keep coming off the bench. So if they can get any brink with injuries, I just don't. I just don't know how you beat them four times. I mean, I don't know. Somebody might, but I think they're going to be awfully good with Kawhi back and with 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 Paul George back. And I just like what Philly did. I mean, I know they didn't play great last night, so or in the first game on Tuesday night. But I think over the course of the season, they're going to be they're going to be really good. I think PJ Tucker is going to really help them. I think Melton's going to really help them. Um, Harden looks like he's in shape. I mean, it looks like he actually is in shape. So um, that's different than it's been in the last couple of years. Um, so I think that they, I and I think they will have not just more talent in terms of how they have to play, but I think those guys will give them a little bit of an edge that maybe they haven't had. PJ Tucker plays with an edge, you know what I mean? And I think that that will help them uh, during the course of the season and certainly in the playoffs. So I've got them in the finals. I don't, I can't remember what I picked, but I'll just say I picked the Clippers just because I think they're the best team going into the season. All right. Hey, Jay, we got to hold him to it. We're going to hold him to it all season long. No matter what information changes. Very good. There's a 98% chance I'll be wrong. (laughs) But but they told me to pick somebody, so I did. (laughs) Okay. I like that. I like that. You asked me to pick somebody, I'll pick somebody, and then I'll leave me alone. We'll we'll revisit it. We'll revisit it when it's warm. As LeBron says, live with the results. Live with the results. Hey, man, you're welcome here anytime. You know that. Always good to see you, Dave. Good to see you, Mike. Good to see you, Jay. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. Good stuff. Man, you're making me nostalgic for those D.C. days. I'm going to go back and watch some of the some John Riggins runs. Yeah. (laughs) Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. I'm just looking at all the, the money I've lost here. Uh, in the last couple weeks, uh, Jay Donde, a lot of money lost because I was in, foolish in enough again, again, and again, I keep falling for the LA Dodgers and all the beautiful things they do in the regular season. They, I mean, okay, the run differential, 
They had the greatest run differential in the 2022 season, the greatest run differential since the 1939 New York Yankees. Okay. <laughs> the 39 Yankees. They were great. Every category. They win 111 games again. They win the NLS again. They look perfect on paper again. And then they lose to the Padres. They lose to the Padres and it really wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. No. They well, and, and, I knew, I, and I wasn't surprised oh. at all. You should have talked to me before you invested you in the Dodgers because I would have told you surprised? that it wasn't going to happen because I just, A, just baseball, the nature of baseball, and B, this is what's going to happen with increasing frequently, at frequency as they've expanded the playoffs and allowed for more random teams to get in, more teams that are hot at the end of the regular season, which the Dodgers were not. And mainly because they lacked the – dog starting pitchers, the true ace starting pitchers out there, which I still think are valuable. I know they're out of vogue in Major League Baseball, but yes. what happened with the Astros right. last night? They sent Justin Verlander out there on the hill. He gave him six innings, struck out 11, only allowed one earned run, gave you those moments like Verlander versus Judge, these great showdowns that we should be having more of in October, and we don't because now the data tells you and the policies are that you can't let a pitcher face uh, lineup for the third time through, right? And, and that's what that's the right. Dodgers have been operating right. under that principle. And you don't see, and also they had guys get hurt, right? So they didn't have a healthy rotation. They were throwing guys out there that hadn't pitched since like April. And so the lack of those seasoned horses, Clayton Kershaw, even when he was that guy, he wasn't that guy in the playoff, right? That you could just take them out in a playoff game and just shut the other team down. And so they've never had that in, in the recent vintages, the, in this real six-year run that they've had, however long it's been. Um, and so yeah. I knew in the absence of those things, and just given the fluky nature of baseball, I was prepared since like July that this was not going to end well. And it wow. didn't. And, I and, couldn't even bring myself way, to watch it. Well, hey, hey, by the way, it's not a run – it's not a run unless you win. First of all, you don't go on a run. I just want to just set the terms for any any no, fan it's, base. It's still a run. Sport. LeBron had a well, run no, no, in no, Cleveland, no. even though they only got one championship out of it. That was a run. He went. He personally had eight straight finals. That's a run. Okay, this is what I think. This is what. Okay, but yeah, eight straight between Miami and Cleveland. Okay, I got you. And there are multiple championships. I think so. This is what I think with with the run. I think you got to win. Uh, at least a championship. One championship has to be a part of it. Like the, these, these these fan bases where there's different hey, run contend- and a dynasty. The Buffalo yeah. Bills had yeah. a run. They didn't have a dynasty because they didn't win any of them. They had a run though. The Dodgers have had a run. You can't deny they've had a run. No man, look. If you don't win a championship, I don't want to hear about your run. I'm sorry. It's a run. You got to win a title. It's a <laughs> run don't. of you contention. have to win titles to it's be a, a dynasty. Hey, the Braves we're, had a run. Even We're though they really only got good. one championship over it. They had a run. But they won. Okay, they won. I, I, I'll, I'll sneak <laughs> them in. I'll sneak them in under the rope. Okay, Michael, get you, in here. Get in here. Who, you know who didn't have a run? I can tell you, we can both who? agree on this. Liz Truss did not have a run. The, the British Prime Minister, who is now out after 45 days, she did not have a run. She we can agree run. on that. Thanks. And that's why I hey, called how, it grand opening, grand closing. Or maybe I should have used the, the public I, enemy title. Can't trust it. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> no, 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 no. At the 45 days. No, 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 no. 
So uh, that got me thinking. And I, I wasn't the first one to start this on, on, on Twitter, but I certainly joined in on on short-lived runs, <laughs> short-lived eras in, in in sports. So I had to go with Steve Wallace with uh, the oh, Atlanta one. Hawks. Last all one game. The reason that one sticks out to me is because I went there. I covered a game there, and I, I was looking in the pro shop or the team shop a, a couple weeks afterward, and they had the Rasheed Wallace jerseys on sale at deep discount. <laughs> the, the jersey he only wore once, and so they were trying to get rid of them out of the team shop. Uh, you see, oh, that one up there. One. The, the, Bill Belichick before he resigned as the HC of the NYJ twice. Hey, hey, Bill Belichick has the record. The only guy to be the head coach of a team twice and not coach a game. He's been a two-time head coach. And Liz Trust. Yeah, two, how about that? Two-time head coach with a 0-0 record uh, of the Jets. Isn't that amazing? You can't make two-time that up. Head coach? People forget. So he's a two-time head coach. He, he resigned as HC of the NYJ. That was one. Then, when Bill Parcells left New England and they tried, he tried to get in. They named him as a consultant. They tried to backdoor it. They named Parcells as a consultant, named Belichick as a head coach, and then eventually, Parcells became the head coach and Belichick was the assistant head coach. So twice he has been the head coach of the Jets, and he has never, he has never coached the game. You know what is a great one, and I hope they, I hope they get into it on the next season of winning time or future season of winning time. So when Paul West got fired by the Lakers, Jerry Buss holds a press conference and says, we're going to make Jerry West the head coach of the or the coach of the offense. And Pat Riley is going to be the coach of the defense. They're going to be co-coaches. And then Jerry West gets up to the podium and says, yeah, I'm not going to do this. Pat Riley is going to be full time coach. I'm not coaching. (laughs) So he didn't even make it through the press conference. He was out. He said, I'm out. I'm not doing this. Named, hey, you know, unnamed himself, recused himself. <laughs> yeah, you sitting there Grand thinking, closing. you sitting there thinking like, nah, this, this, this is really not going to work. Patrick Ewing, because you're like, right, you're like, how is this going to work? Too. You know, how are they going to have? They're going to have two coaches. How is this going to work? And before you even had a chance to ask them how it was going to work, Jerry West said, "Don't bother thinking about it because I'm not coaching this team. I'm staying right where I am in the GM's office." <laughs> you know what, man? I gotta tell you, I've 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 really had a great time doing this show with you. I just don't know how you. I, I don't know how you feel about this run thing, then, man. I'm just like I'm a little confused. It's a run. It. It's I'm not. As, why, why is that hard to understand? They had run as, as, as so. So the Bills, for example, had a run. They reigned over the AFC. They didn't run over the NFL, but they had a run of making four straight Super Bowls. That's a run. I don't know how you can consider that anything other than a run. I'm not saying it's a dynasty. I'm just saying they had a run. That's a good it's a run. Squand- it's it's a squad. It's not a good run though, because what your your whole goal is to build a championship team. What do you think and people you in know, Buffalo think of those days? The glory days. The I know good what old they days. Jim oh, don't Kelly, get me started. Right? Oh, don't get me because started. Because it was a good run, Gary. Because it was a good Gary, run. Gary, don't get don't get me started on Buffalo. I've made my peace. I've made my peace <laughs> about. Don't get me started on what the people of they, Buffalo. They think. look back fondly on the. Run TMC. They didn't let it run in their Shame. name. They run. They won like one playoff series. They still have much love for Run TMC in the Bay. Their run consisted the of like one playoff series victory. Three years. They, they were together for three years. The goal is to build a champion. Run. Build a champion. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.